Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> this is Flo. And this is Tony. And this is Space of Messier. Yes, welcome and back to the podcast. you are here with us. You are here and we are here after taking a week off and I am a damn liar. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that if we took a week off it would, it would be because my wife went into labor, but that Thursday, right before our episode would have aired, I got taken out with one of the worst colds I've ever had. Dang. Like I was completely bedridden. And it was it was the worst. So I really, really apologize. This just in, my wife is still pregnant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're a week and a half. No, we're a week past due. Um, but still very excited. Not super depressed. That was yesterday. Oh. <laughs> we're okay. No, we're excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, so we're going to jump right in with the news. Let's Welcome do it. Welcome aboard, champ. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Glad to have you back. Awesome. So this week, you've no doubt probably heard U.S. President Donald Trump has directed the Pentagon to establish a sixth branch of the U.S. military called the Space Force, (laughs) (laughs) which is a very serious thing, um, to ensure America's dominance in space. This Space Force will uh, be in charge of all the tasks that the current branches of the military manage regarding satellite surveillance, intelligence, and defense. So basically... um, all there's a bunch of different aspects of each branch of military that has to do with space Mm -hmm. and they're going to take them all and have them managed all by this space force which is a lot of work to create a sixth branch of the military yeah but i'm excited to be able to wear a shirt that says space force because that sounds hilarious probably the best part about all this i don't know i personally feel like because this is our podcast and we can share our opinions yeah we can that i'm not sure if this is necessary and i'm afraid that the um, the motivations behind it are to militarize space. Yeah, which is not, not allowed. Good. That is not something that I agree with when our president says that. Mm-hmm. However, um, hopefully we get some cool t-shirts out of it. <laughs> which is all we care about, really. Really, <laughs> except for me, because Flo tried to get me a t-shirt last week and I denied it. <laughs> what did I try to get you? Remember, you were like, oh, I'm going to camp and I'm going to get you a t-shirt. And I was like, mmm, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's happening. It is a ton of work, and he can't do it without Congress's approval, and Congress isn't fully on board yet. So we'll keep you updated with this, and we'll see if it actually um, happens. But yeah, still cool, Space Force. Yeah, if you want to join the Space Force. But the only, so we've mentioned this before. The United States and 52 other countries signed the Outer Space Treaty in 1967. Sorry, this is off the top of my head. Um, that nice. says that everything past Earth's... Uh, atmosphere so the moon and other celestial bodies is for peaceful purposes only and so seeing that donald trump has already kind of gone back on some of the treaties that we've signed in the past i hope that this isn't also going to be surpassed um, and ignored so we'll see yeah just a fun time to be an american (laughs) and i'm proud to be an american where the space force exists for me (laughs) And I'm something proud for the people who are separated from their family. Oh, no. Yeah, bad things. Too dark. Too dark. Sorry about that. Yeah, things are getting better with that, I think. (laughs) think. Um, Things that are not getting better, though. Poor little Opportunity Rover. So in case you haven't heard, (laughs) on Tuesday, he really is. 
Um, on Tuesday, June 12th, NASA's Opportunity rover stopped communications amid a severe and massive dust storm on Mars. So remember that wind on Mars can only travel about 60 miles an hour or half of the speed of a really bad hurricane. And even then, its thin, thin atmosphere doesn't raise the alarm for much panic. But these storms can also trap radiation within its atmosphere, which is an issue that we already struggle to find a solution for. So when the storm first started, they were really hopeful. They thought it would clear out just for a couple of days. Um, but that is not the case. NASA says that now the two-week-old storm has doubled over the weekend and is officially a planet-encircling or global event, which is already intense, but poor opportunity is not really made to handle that, I don't think. The rover's quite old uh, by NASA standards, and it's approaching its 15th birthday when it was originally only intended to be used for 90 days. Once again, NASA builds a machine that lasts far longer than it's supposed yeah. to. But yeah, the, the storm is a planet-wide storm. Can you imagine if we had a planet-wide storm on Earth? That would be horrifying. Everyone would die. I mean, if it had the same wind as the one on Mars, then it'd be okay. But mm -hmm. still, a planet-wide storm. Now, the reason why Opportunity is... Um, why we don't know if it's going to work again is because it's run off solar panels. And so the dust from the storm has completely caked itself on these solar plant oh. panels. And so it can't get any signals back to Earth. Curiosity, however, is doing fine because it's powered um, with nuclear power. So a radioisotope thermoelectric generator, mm -hmm. RTG, it has. And it, it's fine. It can still send, send signals. The dust isn't blocking anything. But yeah, we'll see. We, we thought that opportunity would come back to us and tell us it's okay because it's you know, such a trooper, but we'll see. We're still waiting. Yeah. As of right now, the hopes are growing smaller and smaller that we'll ever hear from Opportunity again. But if you haven't seen The Martian yet, <laughs> maybe something can happen like the Pathfinder where somebody goes and buries it, um, digs it up. <gasps> yeah. 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 Very cool. Go Opportunity. Go Opportunity. Go. Still haven't seen it. Last Oh. Sorry. It's Gosh, okay. I know. No, I haven't seen what? Hidden the Figures. Other, the other one. Hidden Figures. Have wow. you seen Incredibles 2? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, dang it. I thought I was going to get you. <laughs> Incredibles 2 was so good. Yeah, it was really good. It made me and my friends want to be dads, like, immediately. Oh, well, lucky you. And I get to. So, very cool. <laughs> That's so funny. All right. Uh, lastly, it is official. You can now book your trip for a vacation in space. We've what? been teasing you for a while that companies have been, like, promising this. Yeah. But now Axiom Space is taking $55 million reservations for a 10-day um, trip to space <laughs> in 2020. Included in this package is a mandatory 15 weeks of astronaut <laughs> training and the luxury of living in a hotel designed by Philip Stark, whose designs will apparently blow your mind. He's, Have you seen them? Uh, yes, I looked online and saw a couple of them. It's like what you think of when you think of like futuristic space station. Mm. Yeah. So apparently this is real. Apparently all of these things are happening, but I don't, I don't know. They don't seem real yet. I know. Right? Also the fact that you have to go 15 week training to go on one vacation. That yeah my 15 week training is like countdowns but if you, if you had 55 million dollars to spend on a trip chances are you don't have a nine to five job where you have to clock in every day that's so true it might be okay Gosh. what do you say should we do that let's go let's do that cancel the trip to the island yeah let's just go to real space <laughs> sorry Devon island we're going to space. thank you patreon supporters for, <laughs> for getting us those 55 million dollars thank you very this much this is what we're using them for so today's topic is a, um, I, I guess it was going to be an eight-part series, but now it's a seven-part series oh. on all of our planets. 
So this is going to be the first one. We're going to start with the closest planet to the sun, and it's going to be our first planet spotlight on Mercury. Technically, we've already done one on Mars, um, and so if we feel like there's more to cover, then we'll go back and do an, a whole episode already about Mars. But today, we're going to focus on Mercury, um, because I realize personally that I don't really know everything there is to know about the planets. Like, what would it be like to actually, like, be on one of the planets? Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my spare time, I have started writing a novel for fun because I just finished the Lord of the Rings series. I finally finished it. Yay! It was awesome. Yeah, The Hobbit, yeah. Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King. It was really, really long, but it was pretty good. But it inspired me to, like, create my own universe of story. And so I thought it would be really, really cool to have it, this novel, take place on one of our planets or, like, two of our planets. And then I realized I really don't know what it's like to be on other planets. I haven't done this research and I'm not projected to do it in my master's program for like another year mm. um, to do all these planetary geologies and stuff like that. So I thought it'd be really cool to kind of educate you guys and for us to learn ourselves what it's like on these other planets. So Mercury has appeared many times over the ages in works by Isaac Asimov, C.S. Lewis, Ray Bradbury, Arthur C. Clarke, um, and H.P. Lovecraft. Also, it's in the animated television series Invader Zim. Who remembers this one? Oh, it was one of my favorites growing up. Um, Mercury is turned into a prototype giant spaceship by the extinct Martians. Invader Zim was fun. I don't know what that is. It was like in the Ed, Ed, Nettie, Powerpuff Girls, Angry Beavers era of cartoons. That was me. I don't know why I don't remember. I was super into the Jetsons. It was closer to like Courage the Cowardly Dog and like how creepy it was. Oh, then I probably couldn't watch it. I've been a security cat my entire life. (laughs) Courage is the best. (laughs) All right. We're jumping in with some fun facts of flow. (laughs) (laughs) Do-do-do. It is the smallest planet in our solar system. It's just a little bit bigger than our moon, but it is far heavier than the moon because it's made of heavier elements like iron and it's also the closest planet to the sun but it's not the hottest venus is way hotter venus is way hotter because a bunch of people from earth went to venus and then pumped a bunch of co2 into the air oh no that's what we're doing now on earth oh shoot 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 yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) venus has that runaway greenhouse effect so it's way way hotter because it traps all of the um radiation and everything in its atmosphere and it's not good yeah so venus is hotter and venus is the second planet that's crazy yeah man so mercury not the hottest but along with venus earth and mars mercury is one of the rocky planets with a solid surface and it's covered in craters and it has a super thin atmosphere and doesn't have any room uh, moons or rings it's just alone getting baked by the sun (laughs) (laughs) and while it's getting baked mercury um, is also quite quick. It takes 59 Earth days to make one full rotation, but because it's the closest planet to the sun, it doesn't very take... <laughs> it doesn't take very long to go all the way around. One year on Mercury is just 88 Earth days. That's crazy. That's so cool. And if you lived on Mercury, you'd have a birthday every three months. Wow. Which is my kind of year. The Jehovah's Witness have it right. Your birthdays don't matter. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> Um, and a day on mercury is not like a day here on earth for us the sun rises and sets each and every day but because mercury has a slow spin and a super short year it takes a super long time for the sun to rise and set Um, it has a sunrise every 180 earth days so like a sunrise is an event yeah it's like a biannual no for them i guess 
slightly less. No, yeah. No, because their their oh. years are way shorter. Every three years. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. So it's super. It's daylight for a very long time, and then it's nighttime for a very long time. I was just gonna time. say, poor Mercurians, as if people live there. Mercurians. Is yeah. That, isn't that it? Wouldn't that be it? Yeah. Mercuroids. Mercuroids. <laughs> Mer. Hmm. Mercury's X. Mercury's X. Aztecs. Nice. And I adapted it to Mercury. Mercurians. I like Mercurians. That's fine. I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So what do we know about Mercury? Yeah. So other than their, their people are called Mercurians. We're gonna do give you a full deep dive of like inside of Mercury, surface of Mercury, everything you need to know. But how do we know what we know about Mercury? Uh, it's really really hard to study Mercury because of how close it is to the Sun. But astronomers have known of its existence since ancient times. For instance, the population of ancient Mesopotamia, home of Mdabagia, high pipe, from 3500 to 2000 BC, uh, which is really, really close to uh, present-day Syria between the Tigris and Euphrates River, they're known as the Sumerians. And it's said that they first observed this planet. Then the Babylonian civilization recorded it first as Nabu, or Nebo because it was both a morning and evening star, so it got both a feminine and masculine name. Hmm. But Nabu is also in Star Wars. Go figure. In ancient India, Mercury was named Buddha. Um, ancient e- Egyptians referred to it as Thoth, and the Greeks called it the planet Apollo when it was visible in the morning sky, and then Hermes in the evening sky. And then the Romans named the planet after the Roman messenger god Mercury. So the Romans equivalent to uh, the Greeks, Hermes. And the Roman Mercury had wings on its helmet and shoes allowing him to travel super fast, thus providing an appropriate name for our fastest orbiting planet and sticking to this day. Can you believe that? Mercury had all of those names. Nabu, Hermes. Nebo. Nebo. Thoth. Thoth. And what was the other one? I lost it. Buddha. Buddha. And Apollo. Dang. So Mercury was just the last name we gave it. Maybe it'll change. (gasps) I don't know. Maybe the Space Force will change it. Yeah. (laughs) So a little bit on the timeline of discovery, of modern discovery. So in 1631, Thomas Harriot and Galileo Galilei observed Mercury with the newly invented telescope. And in that same year as well, Pierre Gassendi used the telescope to watch from Earth as Mercury crosses the face of the sun, otherwise known as a transit when Mercury transits the sun. Um, The next of which, which you can actually observe, will be of November of 2019. So if you have a sun filter on your telescope which it's best to just go to an observatory because they Mm -hmm. have the official ones Uh, do not look into the sun this is not me telling you to look into the sun (laughs) but if you have the correct filter you can actually look at the sun with a telescope and see mercury physically pass by the front of the sun you can see a little dot black dot it's really cool must be really fast too i don't think it is I mean, it's Mercury, the messenger god. (laughs) So maybe it is fairly fast. Next in the timeline, in 1965, so incorrectly believing for centuries that the same side of Mercury always faces the sun, astronomers using radar find that the planet rotates three times for every two orbits. Oh. And then in 1974 and 1975, Mariner 10 spacecraft photographed roughly half of Mercury's surface during three different flybys. That was one of the first spacecraft we sent to Mars, or Mercury, rather, mm. Mariner 10. And then in 1991, scientists using Earth-based radar find signs of ice locked in permanently shadowed areas of super deep craters in Mercury's polar regions. Okay, so this is what we were talking about with the moon. Like yeah. Why we want to go to the moon and get in these super deep craters, because um, there's 
ice near the poles of the moon. And then if you go into a deep enough crater, it's actually completely shielded by all sunlight. So it's going to be super cold down there. So there's ice frozen there. Yeah. And then at the top of those craters, you have eternal sunlight. So that's why we want to have bases up there for solar panels and energy yeah. and stuff. Gosh, it's so cool. And then uh, later, almost 20 years later, in 2008 and 2009, the Messenger spacecraft was sent and observed Mercury during three flybys as well. And then Messenger in 2011 began its orbital mission at Mercury, and it yielded a ton of images, compositional data, and scientific discoveries. And all of the things that we're going to be telling you today about Mercury and its composition came from the Messenger spacecraft. And then finally, in 2015, Messenger went out with a bang. And Always. was deliberately crashed into Mercury after expending all of its propellant, ending its mission after four years. Crazy. I bet they designed that spacecraft to only last like 10 days. And, and yet it lasted four yeah, years. Yeah, probably. Um, so what did we learn from all of this? And what did we learn about Mercury? First of all, its size. Mercury has a radius of 1,516 miles, which is 2,440 kilometers. So it's a little more than a third of the width of the Earth. If Earth were the size of a nickel, Mercury would be about as big as a blueberry. Dang, that's small. I guess it's like our well, moon. Well, what blueberries are you talking about? Um, the kind that stop cancer. Like the itty bitty ones? Because I have had some huge really? blueberries lately. Alarming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Whoa. I, regular size. Small. Okay. The so that's tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it matters. <laughs> um, and then in regards to its distance, as Earth is 93 million miles from the sun, Mercury is only 36 million miles or um, 58 million kilometers away. Um, and it still takes sunlight three, almost three and a half, 3.2 minutes to travel from the sun to meet Mercury. So... The speed of light is insanely fast, mm -hmm. but it still takes light three minutes to travel from the sun to Mercury. And just to give you a, another idea of how big our whole solar system is, when I went on that run for the Space Nation astronaut training app, where you had to collect all the planets and it would squish the distance of the planets to like relative distances, uh -huh. when running from the sun, I hit Mercury, <laughs> Venus, Earth, and Mars within two minutes Within the first two minutes, I hit all those planets, and it took me another 35 minutes just to get to the last planet. Hey. Crazy. So Imagine the inner planets are like... Imagine if you had to like, go get Pluto, too. Yeah, that would have been super far away. Further. Depending on its place in the orbit. Sometimes it's super That's close. That's true. It's an ellipses. But, yes. So it, it has a super egg-shaped orbit, and so it's not a perfect circular orbit around the sun, and it travels around the sun at 29 miles per second. That's crazy. Wait, ready? 29 miles. 29 miles. 29 miles. 29 miles. 60. 90. 120. That's insane. That's cr crazy. That's so freaking fast. No wonder they named it Mercury. <laughs> and then Mercury's axis of rotation is tilted just two degrees with respect to the plane of its orbit around the sun. So it means it's almost perfectly upright and does not have seasons. For instance, if you didn't know this, the only reason why Earth has seasons, like winter, fall, summer, spring is because we're tilted on mm -hmm. our axis. And so one part of the Earth is closer right and um, than the other side of the Earth. But Mercury's almost exactly up and down. Mm. So no seasons. Oh, we're Mercurians. Oh, Mercurians. <laughs> oh, Mercurians. And then the composition of Mercury. So it's the second densest planet after Earth. It has a large metallic core with a radius of about 85% of the planet's radius. There is actually evidence 
that it is partially molten or liquid and mercury's outer shell or the mantle and crust is only about 400 kilometers or 250 miles thick whereas earth's is 2886 kilometers or 1793 miles thick oh my gosh that's a massive difference that's seven times the dis- the thickness yeah wow amazing wow that's crazy I don't know. I'm blown away because it's only it's a third the size as a planet, but it's the crust is seven times. So if you wanted to dig your way to China on Mercury, China is not on Mercury. So, you so could you're not an do idiot. It. <laughs> or I'm an idiot. Um, so if you were to actually land on Mercury, what would it be like? It wouldn't be like Earth necessarily. It would it would kind of be like Earth in you know relation to all the other planets of the solar system because it is rocky, but it's its surface is really similar to Earth's moon. It has a ton of craters because it has no atmosphere to protect it, um, which we'll get to. Uh, but the craters on Mercury are actually all named after deceased artists. Do you this, know why? No. Why they choose to do that? Maybe because there's so many. I don't know. They just think it's a musical planet? I have no idea. I should probably have looked that up. But I'm not fighting it. I do like it. We are going to find out why the craters are named after artists. And that will be our first episode on Insta TV. Insta TV. Guys, did you know Instagram came out with like its own YouTube? Yeah, which is, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like the explore page Yeah. videos just at the top. And right. it's like the color, so you always see it. But yeah, we'll be on there pretty soon. Because yeah. why not? Because why not? <laughs> um, so some of the craters are named after Bach. Beethoven. John Lennon. Tchaikovsky. Chopin. Charles Dickens. Walt Disney. Ernest Hemingway. Homer. Mozart. Picasso. Edgar Allan Poe. Shakespeare. J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh. Dr. Seuss. And there's a total of 397 documented and named creators. All after artists. All after wow. artists. I looked through all of them and these, these were the, the ones exciting. that were most exciting. Yeah. These are good. Dr. Seuss. I know. That's awesome. He deserves it. John Lennon. I don't know. Yeah. That's pretty cool too. So on Mercury... You'll find um, craters as wide as 960 miles across, or 1,500 kilometers across. And then you'll also find mile-high cliffs that rose as the planet's interior cooled and contracted over the billions of years since it formed. Mercury sounds dope. A mile-high cliff. Yeah, what? Why are we going to Mercury instead of Mars? Because it's really hot and we'll burn. We're going to burn on Mars, too. We're all going to burn anyway, brother. You're... (laughs) Nothing matters. Let's go to Mercury. (laughs) So most of the surface is grayish brown, but you'll also notice that there's these huge dark streaks that are coming from the large craters. This happens during impact when parts of the planet's surface are launched into the air, falling in a line away from the impact. And then these lines of fine particles and rock darken over time due to dust impacts and solar wind particles. Yeah. And then when you get there, during the day, the temperatures on Mercury's surface can reach 800 degrees Fahrenheit, 430 degrees Celsius. Uh. That flow, that is why we don't go there. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, and then because the planet has no atmosphere to retain the heat, nighttime temperatures on the surface can drop to minus 290 degrees Fahrenheit. That's minus 180 degrees Celsius. Dang. So like Tony was saying, instead of having an atmosphere... Mercury possesses a thin exosphere made up of atoms blasted off the surface by the solar wind and striking meteoroids. Mercury's exosphere is composed mostly of oxygen, sodium, hydrogen, helium, and potassium. And just like um, Mars, which has no magnetosphere, we've learned that 
Yeah. <laughs> We've learned that Mercury doesn't really have a magnetic field um, because it was swept away by the solar wind, just like Mars. Uh, but Mercury's magnetic field and solar weather actually gets really, really extreme. So though Mercury's magnetic field at the surface is just 1% of the strength of Earth's, it's, um, it interacts with the magnetic field of the solar wind to sometimes create these intense magnetic tornadoes that funnel the fast, hot solar wind plasma from the sun um, down to the surface of the planet. And then when the ions strike the surface, they knock off neutrally charged atoms and send them on a loop high into the sky. It's like this crazy magnetic storm every once in a while on Mercury. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Surf the solar wind tornadoes, dude. (laughs) So if you want to experience the most horrific storm of your life, go to Mercury, where solar wind can create a magnetic tornado and loop you high into the air. And drop you off a mile high cliff. Yeah, that's that's how you travel up the mile high cliff. Yeah, you just <laughs> that that's, sounds fun. That's terrifying. Gosh. So I hope that gave you an idea of what it'd be like to live on Mercury. Um, hot. Hot. It'd be hot. Scary. Hot, scary, <laughs> magnetic, mm-hmm. airborne, <laughs> and brown. And brown. Brown and streaky. Brown. Very good. Oh, and you couldn't breathe. That's also oh. fun. Oh, and you would burn alive. But. But the view of the sun must right? be incredible. Right? So, Space Force, take us there. <laughs> um, so, thank you for joining us on our first planet spotlight with our first planet, Mercury. Um, some great episodes are coming up. We've got some really good stuff. We have something on NASA and then Einstein's theories, our beautiful flat Earth. Thank God. Quantum. <laughs> Finally. Finally. It's finally coming. Quantum mechanics, more planets, and so, so many more. Yes, you guys have been so good at engaging with us and sending us messages and telling us what you want to hear. Yeah. And most of them have lined up with what we've wanted to do already. So it's going to be really, really awesome. And um, yeah, I don't know if you guys are listening out there and you, I just have something quick to add on a personal note. So if you don't care about my personal life, you can turn it off now. Um <laughs> If you engage in the frequent or occasional prayer, um, I'm requesting prayers because I was just diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And it's okay, I'm managing it, um, but it makes it really hard for me to digest food. And I'm still learning about what medicine is going to be right for me and what diet I have to be on and about to have a kid, so it's really pretty inconvenient. (laughs) Um, So I would appreciate some prayers in that area. It would be awesome. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us today as we set sail to surf the magnetic tornadoes with the Mercurians. Ooh! <laughs> Very cool. Have a great rest of your week, guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Tranquility Bay 2, the Eagle has landed. Roger 20. Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. Oh, he's definitely an e-ticket.